celebration. Wait a minute. Okay, Tasha from Nakamura to Rollins. Hey guys, this is your Raw review on the Dirty Sheets podcast. It's a day late because we've had some technical glitches. We've had some glitches setting up the subscriber service as well. We didn't want just another Patreon site. And I was misled by Podbean thinking that by setting up a Podbean Patreon, there would be a subscriber button that you could push as the podcasts were uploaded. Basically, on some podcasts, what you see is you see all of the podcasts listed once they are done. And underneath some of them, you see a message that says you need to subscribe to this podcast. That's what I wanted. I wanted people to have the possibility to have that instant gratification. So we recorded this SummerSlam on our Podbean Patreon, which I thought would appear on the normal feed. And it turns out nobody could see it. So this is not what we want. We want every podcast we do to be listed for everybody for simplicity reasons, because not everybody is following us on the new Twitter account at Dirty Sheets X. Not everybody is following us on Facebook and people are not all watching the YouTube videos. So unfortunately, we cannot communicate with everybody, but we have thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of subscribers who do listen to the main show every week. There's lesser numbers for the other shows when I'm separate or cab separate. The numbers seem to be less, not quite half, but, but almost half. But for the big show, we get a huge number every single week and we're going to keep that show free. But all of you have access to the feed and therefore that's where we want to put the podcast. So there is a SummerSlam show. We already did it right after SummerSlam. And if you want to hear that show for free, that is now on the lock betting feed. So at least we can get some ad revenue for it by people going over there and listening to it. I mean, that's where I did the betting show. So that's where you can listen to the review show and there's star ratings and everything there. It's an in-depth review of SummerSlam. Of course, we'll touch on SummerSlam again when me and Cav come together to do the Dirty Sheets on Friday. But obviously, it'll be old news by then. And we've done a proper SummerSlam review and you don't have to pay a penny for it. You would have done before. But um, as I said, there's been a technical glitch. We will get that resolved, but you are ultimately the beneficiaries of it because the SummerSlam show is free and this show you're listening to right now is free. And this is the Raw Review. Let me get the plugs out of the way. The Twitter account is at Dirty Sheets X. If you want wrestling news, it's the DirtySheets.com. It's also where you can get wrestling betting picks, but all betting picks are given out on my website, LockBetting.com. That is a service that has delivered 122 months in a row of Transparent Track Profit. And we are coming up to future season where we'll be releasing picks for the upcoming soccer season. And then shortly we'll be releasing picks for the NFL. Futures hit at 79.8%. In fact, that's just gone up because we just cashed a 1.2 unit future on Australia to reach the quarterfinals of the Women's World Cup. I'll do the maths on whether that's gone back up to 80%. I assume so. So let's just say 80% all time of one unit futures and over. 
So this is an investment opportunity on an annual basis that cannot be missed. If you want to get involved, head over to lockbetting.com. If you want to do your research, the pin tweet on the Twitter account, at Lockbetting X is always the PL from the previous month. If you want to see all the other spreadsheets, they're all posted on lockbetting.com. This is transparent and tracked. No bullshit, no ridiculous five unit or 10 unit plays or 20 unit whales or 25 star maxes that seem to happen every single month or week. This is a legitimately sensible service that does make you a profit and it's transparent and tracked on a monthly basis. And we've been undefeated every single month for over a decade. So you want to make that money, head over to lockbetting.com now. So the Raw after SummerSlam, the overall impression of SummerSlam was that it was a so-so show. Um, it did not stand up to the other pay-per-views under the Triple H regime. I don't think the television under Triple H has been, has been overly compelling. I don't think the character development has been overly compelling. I think a lot of people that are supposed to be Triple H guys, these NXT guys that have come in, have all been booked relatively poorly. When you look at Santos Escobar getting his title shot on Friday against Austin Theory, he'd done absolutely nothing prior to that. The LWO had just been basically a bunch of jobbers. And that's consistent when you're looking at um, Karrion Cross, Tommaso Ciampa, um, Nakamura, who was the main thing on this week, turning heel, uh, Johnny Gargano, uh, Cameron Grimes. It goes across the board. Nobody has been booked properly. Nobody is a star. So I don't think Triple H is some sort of star maker. And now I'm supposed to take Nakamura seriously when he was struggling to win a match prior to finally winning a match this week on Raw. And then he immediately turns on Seth Rollins at the end of the show. And I assume that he's going to be getting the title shot of Payback. And therefore, I assume that the poster that we saw for Payback was a decoy. Uh, because I don't think it's going to be Damian Priest, Seth Rollins and Finn Balor in a triple threat match because Finn got pinned again in this six-man tag. So using the same format as last week, let's take a look at the things that happened on this week's edition of Raw. I just came by to say congratulations to Gable for an amazing victory and also to let him know that the Ring General is already looking forward to wipe the ring with his body all over Again. You get out of our locker room. Okay, okay, I will, but before I do that, let me tell you something. I have my eyes on you for a couple of weeks now, and I gotta say, you've got all the potential in the world, but what you will have to understand is that some people around here are just better than others. I mean, take a look at me. European elegance, A-plus aesthetics, A-plus everything. And then... Take a look at the boys you are running around with. Take a look at this big, disgusting freak. So... Feisty. <laughs> I like it. You know what the hell you're doing in our locker room. Or have your eyes on the Alpha Queen, Maxine. If you want some action, put me and you in that ring tonight, pretty boy. After I'm done with you, won't be so pretty anymore. Well, I'll see you out there then. And you. I'll see you too, Maxine. (laughs) 
So that was Ludovic Kaiser trying to get into Maxine's pants, and who can blame him? Um, they're certainly doing more with Kaiser now. This led to a match with Otis that he went on to win after interference from Gunther. There seems to be a feud now between the Alpha Academy and Imperium. I think it's a little bit of an underwhelming way for Gunther to break Honky Tonk's record. If this is going to be the feud where it's going to be, if he gets one more win, he gets the record, it isn't really that compelling. I think Drew McIntyre was more compelling, but obviously you wanted to do the bigger match at SummerSlam, but I think there would have been real intrigue whether Drew could beat him or not if he was closer to the record. But if it's going to be Chad Gable, obviously we know there's no chance Chad Gable is going to be winning the title, despite the fact that internet marks and losers in forums will be crying about it and wanting it for some reason. As I said before, Chad is a good hand. He's a good wrestler. He's a good sports entertainer as well with the whole shush gimmick and thank you and whatnot. Yeah, it fits in well. It's a good, it's a good thing to have on television, but... He's not going to be somebody who reaches a main event level and he's certainly not going to dethrone Gunther en route to passing the Honky Tonk Man. So I think it's a little bit underwhelming. Yes, it will be a good match. But as I said, I'm not really somebody who is intrigued or overly interested by the good matches. Everybody can wrestle to a certain extent in 2023. It's not as big a deal to have a good match. We've been suffocated with good matches over the last two, three years and a distinct lack of good stories. And the one good story that's being told is getting loads and loads of plaudits and is actually pulling in people. It's proof. The proof is in the pudding. Fans tune in, casual fans at least, tune in for good stories and good characters. That is what the bloodline is. Marks tune in for good wrestling matches, and this will be a good wrestling match. Chad Gable, of course, won the Fatal 4-Way. It was an all-babyface Fatal 4-Way with uh, Riddle and Ricochet and Tommaso Ciampa also involved. Three guys who haven't been booked well also under Triple H. I think if anybody has improved with their booking, it's Ricochet because at least he was elevated to a level where he could have a match with Logan Paul, which he ultimately and rightfully lost at SummerSlam. If you want to hear more about SummerSlam, as I mentioned earlier, there is a SummerSlam review and it is on the Lockbang podcast. It's free. Just simply search SummerSlam. what she did and now Baszler trying to wrestle Zoe Stark up and she does on her shoulders into the world's baddest slam or well, Ronda would call it so the Shayna Baszler push continues after the win over Ronda Rousey at SummerSlam in what was the worst match of the night because of the Pure confusion, partly down to WWE, as me and Cav mentioned on the review. But I don't see where she's going, because here she was in a babyface role, beating Zoe Stark while Becky cheered for her. 
And then after the match, she confronted Becky, who's obviously a babyface, setting up something for those two in the future. So it's very confusing. We didn't know who was the heel and the babyface going into the Ronda match. We established Shayna Baszler as a babyface for a few minutes, and she gloated about getting Ronda Rousey out of the WWE, which got a pop. Very disrespectful because um, I think this that Ronda Rousey was just wasted on his fan base and WWE wasted Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey was a Brock Lesnar-level talent who could have had a Brock Lesnar run, who just had too many losses and the bookings was too confusing. And even if it was a case of Ronda Rousey getting involved in her own booking and wanting to work with people like Liv and Shayna and wanting to lose matches as was reported by me, WWE, WWE should have said no, that we have a heavy investment in you. And even prior to that, Ronda Rousey should have been booked a lot stronger. She shouldn't have been losing to Charlotte at WrestleMania. She shouldn't have been introduced at the Royal Rumble before she was ready uh, in what was probably one of her poorest performances, that comeback performance in the Royal Rumble where she was very botchy and didn't look ready and wasn't ready. So, it's It's been the WWE's fault, but it's also been Ronda's fault. But collectively, everybody should have realized what they had with Ronda Rousey. And for people to be cheering and happy that she's gone and celebrating that fact, that's actually ridiculous to me because this is a huge loss to the WWE if she was utilized properly. The version of Ronda Rousey that's left and has gone out the door, that doesn't make any difference to WWE because obviously the match was um, not good and people left their seats whilst it was on. There's evidence of that on social media. But the Ronda Rousey that could have been is certainly a huge loss. But anyway, the the um, the MMA character, the killer character, has been transferred over to Shayna Baszler. She's now the killer, but she's also a tweener because she beats Zoe and we think we've established her as a babyface. And then she does something heelish later on in the night. So I'm still confused by this. Don't know what direction they're going in with Shane. I think it's going to be a feud with Becky next. So it looks like um, Rhea Ripley does need challengers. Obviously, we're going to go through this Raquel Rodriguez thing next, which will only be Rhea's third opponent since WrestleMania. Maybe they can get a couple of matches out of that. Perhaps Liv Morgan is a potential opponent when she returns from injury. Perhaps Liv Morgan could be the WrestleMania opponent. Perhaps Liv Morgan's a Raw Rumble winner. We don't know where we're going with things. I imagine that where they're trying to go with WrestleMania is Becky and Rhea. I think that's the biggest match that they have. But obviously, fans are a bit, are very behind Liv Morgan and she sells a lot of merchandise. And that's somebody who's going to be with the company for a while, probably a, a longer commitment than Becky and a cheaper investment than Becky as well. Becky's on a fat contract with a tour bus. Her contract ends in 2025. She has, a, she has her eyes on Hollywood and TV and perhaps Becky, Lynch won't be around in 2025. And something people don't talk about enough is that there is actually some heat on Becky Lynch, who did get pregnant pretty much immediately after signing a huge deal in 2020. That didn't really please the WWE. Whilst you can't turn around and tell people when and when not to get pregnant, obviously getting pregnant five months after your brand new deal which is a multi-million pound, multi-million dollar deal, sorry. That isn't really what WWE were looking for. So maybe that was part of the reason why she came back and was a heel. And when you're a heel, you don't move as much merchandise. I don't know. These are all conspiracy theories. I don't know 
why Becky's been booked the way that she has been. But she left the company in 2020 as the man and as the number one babyface in the company. Obviously, that temporarily transferred over to Drew McIntyre. And then since then, it's been difficult to identify who the number one babyface in the company is. I guess at the moment, it's either Rollins or Cody Rhodes. But it's been the number one heel in the company, Roman Reigns, who's been shifting most of the merchandise. But prior to her pregnancy, it was clearly Becky Lynch. And um, ever since she returned, there has been a lot of debate about her booking. Was it the right thing to turn her heel so quickly? Was the heel run successful? What has she really accomplished so far as a babyface? Again, this is another person I felt they could have handled a lot better. Again, Triple H is responsible for this. He's the one who turned Becky heel babyface. She's now been babyface for an entire year. She turned at last year's SummerSlam. And in the last 12 months, she has accomplished precisely nothing and wasn't even on the SummerSlam card. Her match was pulled. I don't have an issue with it because SummerSlam was too long anyway. But in saying that, when we did our SummerSlam review, we did realise that they could have easily got the Becky Lynch match on. Some matches were just way too long. The women's match, the triple threat match, was the longest women's match in the history of SummerSlam. Finn Balor and Seth Rollins went out there and did a lot of rest spots. I think Finn Balor had... Rollins in a headlock for about four or five minutes at one point. That's probably exaggerating, but it felt like a lifetime. So yeah, I felt like they could have comfortably got it on there if they if they saw fit, but they didn't. And uh, the match happens next week and Shayna got the win here. Zoe Stark won't be in a corner and I imagine Becky gets the win next week. Trish doesn't come back to TV. Zoe does something else. It's probably repackaged to do something else. And uh, we move on to Becky and Shayna. I tell you what, if you want to make this personal now that you have, I don't mind making you a stepping stone. Stepping stone? Stepping stone? Don't get hot. I ain't talking about your little stepping stones down there. I'm talking about me walking over you to the main event where I belong. I am the main event. I am the main event. And you are not on my level. That's a really interesting theory that I'm not on your level because strangely enough, I'm looking you dead in your eyes right now. So if you think I'm not on your level, why don't you prove me wrong? I ain't going anywhere. Trauma. I have a feeling 
that's not going to be the last we hear of the Miz. So the brand split's dead because LA Knight's on SmackDown and for absolutely no reason, he's on Raw. I guess the reason is that they want to see how he does with ratings. People want to see him. He's over at the moment. And I say at the moment because there's just something about this LA Knight shtick that I don't think is going to last. I don't think it has legs it is a lot more catchphrases than other top stars have had in terms of being reliant solely on the catchphrases. There was more to The Rock than catchphrases. There was more to Austin than what and because Stone Cold said so. I don't know how much more there is to LA Knight other than the fact that people like to say, yeah, and they enjoy him saying, let me talk to you. But in between all that, I don't know where the fans are overly interested or enamored or hanging on to every word that he says. Now, I've experienced LA Night Live. I was there for the pop at Money in the Bank. I'm not sure this is a main event act. I'll be really interested to see how hot this is in two or three months' time and if it warrants being elevated to a main event level. I'm talking about beating Austin Theory, beating Gunther, having a match against Roman Reigns. Is he now going to be predominantly on Raw because he's going to get this win over The Miz? And The Miz, that's just laughable when he can turn around and say, I am the main event, like we haven't been watching the show. Under Triple H, the guy is like 1 in 50. His win was against Champa, and he got help from Bronson Reed, and that story didn't go anywhere. So, um, yes, Austin, Austin Theory could be next for LA Knight after getting past The Miz if Austin Theory retains the title against Santos Escobar, which I expect him to do on Friday. And I think that could be LA Knight's ceiling. I'm not sure that we have discovered the next Austin, the next Cena, the next Rock, like a lot of people believe that we have. There's just something about this that doesn't hit for me. But it's my own personal taste. It's my own personal opinion. You guys are listening to hear my opinions. And I don't think that the mic skills are up there at the same level as those top guys. I think he's good. I think he's a decent talker. I think he can wrestle. Obviously, as I said, a lot of guys can wrestle these days. But being a decent talker and being a decent wrestler, but also being 40 and also not being incredibly big, not being incredibly tall, um, I don't think that makes you an automatic top tier main eventer. I think a secondary title is probably the ceiling for LA Knight. And he could definitely be someone who has a solid five, six years in the company. I can see him getting a decent deal when it comes up for a renewal. Hell, they might even give him one now based on his current merchandise sales. But I wouldn't be pulling the trigger on anything just yet because, as I said, I'm not sold by much else that he does other than the fact he's come along with a couple of decent sing-along catchphrases. But what's in between that? in terms of the, the rest of the promo and also the in-ring and even the look, not in terms of um, the face and whatnot. He's a decent-looking guy. I can see women looking at him and going, yeah, I, I quite find I quite find him quite attractive. Not that I've asked any of them. But, um, yeah, I just, I just don't see it with LA Knight. I just don't see this connection between him 
and a casual audience. I think he's someone for the wrestling fans to enjoy, but that's your current wrestling fans. And uh, he'll, he's probably going to make more appearances on Monday night. And I imagine he's here to sort of steer the ship a little bit during when the NFL returns. I think he's going to be more frequent on Raw to keep people on Raw. Let's see how that pans out. Perhaps this is a test for LA Knight. And if Raw can hold a solid number, particularly during the LA Knight quarters, then that will be the barometer to push him further up the card. So, unfortunately, the New Day are back. Is this really the best idea you could come up with for both of these two to rehash an act that is as stale as 20-day-old bread? Like, this is so stale. It felt stale within 10 seconds of these two goofs coming out here. Off the top of my head... I could think of a better idea for these two. You could put Woods in Bobby Lashley's Nation of Domination. And you could have had Kofi Kingston come out at the end of the show and he could have attacked Seth Rollins. And it would have been more of a story there. I understand Nakamura's going through this whole, oh, I'm sick of everything kind of thing. That's fine. But you could have kept that in your locker. You could have given Nakamura a few more wins. Kofi's somebody we haven't seen in ages. If he'd attacked Seth Rollins, there probably could have been a reasoning for it. I mean, look at their most significant title wins. Rollins won at WrestleMania 35 on the same night that we had Kofi Mania, quote-unquote. Kofi Mania happened on the same night as Seth Rollins. But Seth Rollins has got chance after chance after chance. Seth Rollins didn't have a successful title reign. Seth Rollins has never really drawn big ratings and big money for the company. Uh, obviously, they're not going to acknowledge that on their own television. But the point is, is that you can sort of use these things with different wording for Kofi Kingston to have a feud with Seth Rollins to say, you were given chance after chance after chance. I was given one chance. Look how many chances you've been given. Maybe he could even say, look how many chances the white man gets on this show. Um, obviously, it's not very PG. It's not very modern day WWE. But I did hear a while back that they were planning to make the third hour of Raw a more mature hour of Raw. Obviously, we haven't seen any evidence of that. Uh, we saw Ricochet call Logan Paul a prick, and that was really the only example of that, uh, or the only utilization of that that I've seen. So off the top of my head, 
they, I think, are better ideas for the New Day. Anything's better than bringing back the New Day. Um, I fucking hate the New Day. So this is the last thing I'm going to talk about from Raw. Rhea Ripley, what are you doing? You were looking so good. You were turning so many heads. People that would never be attracted to or even think about putting Rhea Ripley up at that level that they were putting her at in recent weeks. She was really growing on so many people. And then she cuts her hair and looks like a transgender goth beetle. Um, I don't know why she did this. She posted photos at the weekend when she put um, ready for some media and was um, in a corset taking a photo of herself in the mirror. Looked great. She did a photo shoot where she wore a cowboy hat. That looked really good. It looked like she was growing out her hair a little bit. And then she has this horrible haircut. And suddenly, um, I'm very much less interested in Rhea Ripley. I understand that some dorks who listen to this don't like me talking about the appearances of women. Because God forbid we look at women and make comments about them because we're objectifying them. Listen, I don't give a shit. This is my fucking show. Uh, I've been doing this show for eight years now and I'll say what I want and if you think I'm objectifying someone by talking about their appearance or we are objectifying people by rating them or doing mislingus or any of the things that we enjoy doing hey I don't give a fuck we grew up with the FHM top 100 we grew up with the Maxim 100 we've been rating women all our lives that's what men do we rate women we rate the women that our friends get with we give our opinions of things like that's what we're supposed to do when did that suddenly become so wrong and offensive to people listen if you're offended by that kind of shit then this isn't and never will be the podcast for you so i don't need you listening and you can kindly go and listen to something else something woke like uh, Sean Ross Sapp and the boring, excruciating content that I imagine that Fightful put up. I've only heard clips for two minutes and even those have wanted to make me shoot myself in the fucking head. So, um, yeah, 
that was my one main takeaway uh, from this. Obviously, this is one of my takeaways from SummerSlam because I think she had the the bangs, as they say, there. But um, we know she's heading into a feud of Raquel Rodriguez. We know this has been held off. So the Trish-Becky match happens next Monday. I imagine this match happens at the pay-per-view. Um, this was actually a convincing brawl between two women. Sometimes pull-aparts aren't that, aren't that good. This was absolutely fine. And um, yeah, I'm sure we'll get more of this en route to payback. But uh, nobody's beating Rhea Ripley, I don't think, until next year's WrestleMania. That's been it for this edition of the Raw Review. I'll be back on Friday with Cav and on Saturday with SmackDown. Thanks for listening.